everybody, and welcome to the In Contention podcast. I did that for Sam's dad because I met him this weekend again. Um, <laughs> I am Ruben Bressler, not Sam's daughter, and I am joined, as always, by Matt Cranstuber, a.k.a. Cranny. How's it going? And Joey Pascoe, a.k.a. Hey! Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, you're good. I was just messing around. What's going I'm, on? I'm guys? apparently the wet blanket of the group. <laughs> I mean, we already knew that. Yeah. That's not news. Hashtag ban all the things. Yeah, it's uh it's Thanksgiving week, so yeah. I'm I'm prepping myself to eat lots of food and um uh, take lots of naps. Yeah, I'm going home this weekend, visit my family in Columbus. Um, I was invited to like four or five different Friendsgivings across the country. <laughs> nice. Various types. Like all the misfits getting together and, and having Thanksgiving together. But uh, I'm going to go visit the family. And, uh, yep, that's my plan. Yeah, same here pretty much. Just just family stuff, the usual. Eat a lot of food. Hopefully take a lot of naps. But there's too many people to visit, so I might not take as many naps as I'd like. I was talking to, uh, I was talking to Sam and um because he always does this like really crazy stuff for thanksgiving every year and and uh being that he's out at wizards he's not going to be able to come home to do thanksgiving um he's going to try and come home for christmas but i said i was really disappointed because i always look forward to some new and crazy thing that his family yeah. is doing with the turkeys so one year it was you know turducken and you know one year it was clam Stuffing with. Were you at the at the turkey. at the summer barbecue where we roasted a whole pig? Yeah, the pig roast. Yeah, yeah that insane. was the best. Yeah, like, like twenty people. That was right before Tom Lapilli went to Wizards. We played Tom's mm-hmm. Cube. That was yeah. so cool. Yeah, that was good times. Anyway, sorry, I have a thing to say before we move on <laughs> any further. What's that? Uh, <laughs> that that would be the uh, the little tag at the beginning that goes like this. In Contention is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series, and this weekend is Thanksgiving, right? But next weekend, the Open Series comes to Baltimore, Maryland, with $10,000 prize pools in both the Standard and Legacy Opens. If you can't be there, be sure to tune into SCG Live and catch Matthias Hunt both days, and then Joey Pascoe on Saturday and the debut of Mr. Ricky Hayashi on Sunday, with Glenn Jones in the sideboard bringing you all the action. The Twitter hashtag for this for that weekend is SCGBALT, so you can use that to join in on the discussion. If you can't make it out, be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. Go to StarCityGames.com open series page for a complete listing at StarCityGames.com slash SCGOP. Wow, Ricky Hiyashi. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm very really excited, excited for that. It's nice, it's nice having judges in the booth. We had Joe Bono. Uh, doing one round at the Legacy Open, and uh, just the knowledge they bring is just is spectacular. Definitely, yeah, of co- you know, of course, Joey's fine too, and Matthias, yeah, 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 Glenn, and those guys. But oh, of course, but I'm, it's a whole different aspect when you have a, a judge in the booth. Ricky's kind of a wild man too. That guy flies yeah. all <laughs> over the world, and he's just got a really interesting perspective on the game that. I'm really curious to see how that's going to come across in the booth. I, I bet you it's going to be a, a good weekend to watch SG Live for sure. Yeah, I like it. Definitely. So let's uh, let's talk hashtags because we got some fun stuff to talk about. Let's do it. All right. First on the agenda, of course, we're going to review the results from the previous Open Series this last weekend in Seattle, the home of the Mothership, and of course a star-studded weekend 
ensued. Then we're going to talk about GP Bauckham and Charlotte, the two standard Grand Prix that happened on different sides of the the world. And, uh, of course, sub-hashtag there, hoof, or hoof, there it is. Then we're going to talk about some gate crash spoilers that came out this past weekend, which are pretty pretty cool. And then we're going to talk a little bit about FNM uh, as it relates to the new FNM promos and the new format that Wizards right. is going to allow us to run as an FNM format, which is modern. So lots of cool, cool stuff. But uh, why don't we dig right in and talk about Seattle. Ruben, you went to the uh, – you said that the people that live in Seattle – drastically under-exaggerate or, or drastically yeah, under underestimate the amount of rain. Although I have been looking at some of the people who live in Seattle that said that like they set rain records the day we left. Oh, so wow. I'll let it, I'll let it slide a little bit, but <laughs> I mean, it was not the first impression you're looking for. If you're trying to argue, you don't get much rain. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, but it was a great time. Like, it's not like I was outside the whole time. I was uh, in the Linwood convention center, which is about 20 minutes North of downtown Seattle. Um, Friday night, I went to Card Kingdom and uh, Cafe Mox. And if you haven't been, oh boy, you got to go to check that yeah. place out because it is just a destination. It is a, a mecca for It's a game. magic wonderland. It is. It's So we walk in, me and Shoebox, uh, one of the directors, you can follow him at Magic Shoebox on Twitter. Um, we went to Cafe Mox and walk in the door and you name a game that a gamer will play, it's on a shelf. It's just there. The walls are all lined. There's a specific room for magic. There's a specific room for role-playing games. Then there's, like, the main room. Then there's a cafe. There's a bar that serves coffee and beer and and delicious sandwiches and stuff like that. And so that's what we did uh, Friday night, and that was awesome. We met uh, met up with John Lauks, who was building his Battle of Wits at the time. Um, <laughs> Which was pretty awesome. Then the event itself was also very cool. The, that event site is is uh, is nice. It's easy parking. Uh, the hotel we stayed at was walking distance. Uh, the 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 uh, event staff doesn't care if you bring in outside food. There's a lot of food within walking distance. Um, and there was a cool like wedding decoration thing on the ceiling. So all mm-hmm. of my event photos looked neat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, and we had RK Post, Franz Fullwinkle. And Rob Alexander, in, in addition to Eric Klar, who was doing Alters, we had those three magic artists. That is ridiculous. Like, yeah. When I, I was there, it was uh, we had Jason Felix back in June, the guy who did like Creeping Tar Pit. Oh, nice. Uh, and yeah, like that was that was awesome just to have him there, and that you have like three times as many cool artists. This yeah, is awesome. It was pretty awesome, and I did interviews with Rob and Franz because we had done one with RK earlier in the year in uh, sure. Portland, I believe. And, uh, yeah, in the event itself, I got to meet uh, Moxie MTG. I did an interview with her. that I don't know if it ever went up, but it'll be on the YouTube page at some point. Um, I met MTG Color Pie, another uh, Twitter personality. Yep. Nice. And, of course, all the pros that were there, like Travis Wu and Joe Lawsett and Corbett Gray, uh, Thea, Taya, Taya. Steele. Taya Steele. So it was a good time. And of course, I saw JR. JR Wade made top yeah. eight. He's starting working Fantastic. with us very soon and had a nice little going away party of uh, making top eight. So, uh, 
And of course, Sam dropped by to say hi. Eric Lauer was there. I tried to get an interview with him, but uh, it was too short notice, so I didn't get approval. Uh, Gavin was there on Sunday. Max McCall did a round in the booth for us. Um, cool. So it was awesome. what, uh, what, what kinds of decks were you seeing on Saturday? Because, I mean, I feel like all over the world, I mean, we had something literally in every area of the globe. Yeah. It's like totally different. Yeah. Depending on where you go. Like if you look at the difference yeah. between even just Bauckham and, and Charlotte, it's totally Charleston. like – uh, I keep saying Charlotte. I, I keep mean, doing that too. That's why I Charles noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what what was it like on uh, what was it like on Saturday? Of course, well, a lot of a lot of the big names. Well, Travis Wu's team played mono red. Uh, you can mm-hmm. go check out that deck tech. That was a pretty cool. It was it was a mix between like an aggro red and like a dirty red, but like it, it had four Thundermaw Hellkites and four Hell Riders. So it had big game at the end. Sure. So you know how most red decks can deal 20 damage, but if, if your opponent gains any amount of life, you're just dead? This deck could deal 20 damage quick and could also deal 35 damage over a long game. Yeah, it's like Sujiri so, stepped ruins their entire... Their entire. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. But this, yeah, this, but, it's interesting. Uh, it was pretty good. None of them made top eight, but we did have... No, I'm sorry. One of them made top eight. Yes, that's, uh, that's the one I'm looking at here. What was it? Chris, uh, Chris Morris Lent. And, yeah. and I just wanted to quickly mention, like, we had one last week. It didn't make top eight, but it was uh, we covered it in Dallas, and I think the final round of the Swiss. And it's just a completely different mono red deck. It was twenty one drops and yeah, and four ashes zealots. That mm-hmm. was the cre- like just the huge gap between two, you know, mono red decks. Absolutely, it's very like Travis, Travis and Corbett and the crew were running a hound of Gristlebrand with another one in the sideboard. Wow. <laughs> or another two, actually. Yeah. So that's that's going pretty deep. So that we had eight archetypes in the top eight. We had a three-color reanimator, a four-color reanimator, and then the rest of the top eight was different. Our finals was Bant Control against Blue-White Humans, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And the, yeah. both of the, n- neither of those archetypes had ever won an SCG Open before. This is the first SCG Open in which Bant Control, which a lot of people think is the best deck in the format, uh, won the event. Yeah, it didn't even make top eight in Dallas, and uh, there were two in the top eight in the previous week, so it's it's kind of gone up and down a little bit. But yeah, you're yeah, right. this uh, first time I mean, that it won. I think that Bant is good. We're we're going to probably start seeing Bant sort of taper off a little bit just because the emergence of the Hoof deck that's coming yes. up. So let's it's, talk about Hoof. Yeah. Okay. So who wasn't rooting for Brad <laughs> Nelson and Martin Yuza? This past weekend. So like, let me tell you the genesis of this deck real quick. Brad comes up to me like two, three weeks ago and says, I'm winning this Grand Prix. And I'm like, okay, Brad, sure. And he comes up to me like several times the rest of like for the next two weeks and is like, yeah, I'm just going to win this Grand Prix. And I'm like, Are you, okay, let me see the deck. And I look at it and I'm like, this has four Crater Hoof Behemoths in it. I am in love. <laughs> this, also, this deck also has Somberwald Sage, which is insane. Um, and I'm just like, oh, well, mate, yeah, sure. Don't, I won't tell anybody because that's what, it, you know, that's the thing. But I made a joke about it on the news thing because, like, all the folks in-house knew about the deck. Right. And we knew that it was going to do really well. Like, I fully expected Brad to win this Grand Prix. Um, and then he gave the deck to two people. He gave the deck to Josh utter Layton, who I think top 32'd. And he gave the deck to Martin Yuza, who won Bochum. And then Brad top 16 so three people on the planet played this deck, 
and their average finish was a top 16 at a Grand Prix. That is ridiculous. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Um, yeah, the, the deck is a machine. Yeah. It, like, it, it makes the Freets and the other decks that are using Unbarrel Rights and Mulch and silly. whatever. Yeah, they just look like they're doing nothing. Because when they, their play is to put in an Angel or a Thrag Tusk and sort of grind value out. And this just ends the game. The turn that you, you know, that you're playing your Unbarrel Rights or tapping all your mana idiots to play Critter of, the game's just over. Yeah, when you look, I'm just and, looking at, at Martin Yuza's deck real quick because it... You know, you hear Crater Hoof Behemoth is in the deck, and you're like, okay, so they're gonna like Umburial rights it. It's just like Freets, right? They they just it's it used to be a one of, or it typically is a one of, and they just you know wanted more Crater Hoofs. But it's actually very different when you look at it and looking at uses list. Like when you just look at the creatures, it looks like some sort of just I I want to play mono green and and ramp up to Crater Hoof Behemoth. That's what it kind of. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of the the. Trunk of the deck, I guess, if you want to, if you want to go with that analogy, uh, it's just sure. like Arbor. It, it was kind of funny. Go ahead. But well, well, this the list came out. I don't know if it was in a deck tech or something, but it hit Moto like immediately because I I saw Brad Nelson tweeting about uh, Craterhoof, and I went on I went online and bought up a playset. I'm figuring, hey, you know, he's doing really well. Uh, you know, I like Craterhoof. I think it's a cool deck. Uh, in you know, in Freets and these other decks. I'm interested to see this thing, and when I saw it on camera, I was like, "Oh, I'm sold! I'm I'm getting the rest of this deck." And so I'm playing. I'm I've been playing Saito Bant online, which is basically just Bant, but like a couple small innovations. Like it's playing Fog uh, Fog Bank, and um, it's splashing an Overgrown Tomb for Unbarrel Rights, so that you can just maximize out on your um, your angels. Mm-hmm. Are always going to be, you know, getting guys like in the late game, and you're playing like lots of caverns. So the deck's like really, I think it's a really good deck. But I immediately just started losing. Like I was just getting crushed every every other queue. There'd be a guy hopping in there with with the Crater Huff deck, and I kind of was laughing about it at first. I'm like, oh, you know, I'll just have to add like rest in pieces. And I didn't realize that the sideboard actually just completely negates the strategy altogether. Yep, so I'm does. boarding in like rest in peace and purify the grave, and then and they're like turn two Smiter, nice deck. Yeah, yeah. Then there's this, yeah, then there's Smiter, and I'm like, well, you know, I still have my Wraths, but not, I mean, every spell you play is a, is a threat that I have to deal with, and my Planeswalkers and that's, are... that's how Juzo won the finals in Game 3. Just, and not not just that, like, the fact that it's a transformational cyborg that just, hap- just so happens that you can play the kind of game, like, if you're playing against a, you know, red-black opponent, for instance, there's probably not a very good chance that there's, you know, going to be anything more than maybe Tormod's Crypt or Rakdos Charm in the sideboard to deal with graveyard strategies. Like, the, you know, there's right. going to be something, but it's nowhere near as good as the white graveyard removal strategies. So you may just say, hey, forget it, I'm just going to board in Thrag Tusks and then keep the rest of my strategy in here and just graveyard you to death. Or against, like, a control opponent that you know is going to, you know, de-sideboard out their graveyard hate, you could just bring all this graveyard hate back in. So it's 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 a brilliantly designed deck in that it's very hard to hedge against a Crater Huff coming down because you just have the inevitability of, well, eventually I'm going to play Crater Huff Behemoth. Do you have an answer? Right. Ruben, you were tweeting actually this morning at Brad about the deck and about uh, are you going to change the sideboard because... You felt because, like- yeah, the deck has a very tough time dealing with Angel Serenity main deck and sideboard. Usually it's just faster than that, but sometimes, like Brad's game uh, against uh, Morgan Chang in playing for top eight, sometimes you just don't 
you, you just draw three lands in a row or you mulch into the wrong thing or you, you know, and, and it's nice to have an answer that sort of is just a sweeping answer to Angel of Serenity. Like, I mean, even something as simple as Oblivion Ring is fine. Mm. So I, don't, I, I was just curious if he was planning on changing it or he, if, he was, uh, if he was just going to stick with the plan, which is a solid plan. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I was just curious because, uh, you know, I, I want him to do well with the deck. Why don't we talk a little bit about I, the difference between the GP Bacham list versus the GP. I keep wanting to Charleston. say Charlotte. I keep wanting to say Charlotte <laughs> Charleston because the, the landscape's like a lot different. If you look at the top eight for Bacham, there's more, you know, Huntmaster of the Fells and Olivia's there's more, uh, Jun presence, and if you look at the uh, Charlotte, did I see Charlotte again? Yeah, Charlotte Charleston decklist. Then you see more kind of like these dork strategies, and this is more indicative of what I'm seeing online. Like you see more white green aggro, you see more blue white aggro. Those are popping up all over the place, and I've the reason that like Ban has been such a good deck for me is the Wraths, and if you look at a deck like Yuza and Nelson's deck, I think that Rolling Trembler is 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 definitely posed to make a comeback just because it's it's really good against a lot of these decks. I'm not seeing blue white a heck of a lot anymore. Whereas like yeah. right after Prozac was doing real well with it and people were writing about it, it was all over the place and then people just said, okay, well I'm just gonna put four caverns in my in my board and it became a much more uh it, it, it it just wasn't the best idea to be playing blue white in the queues, I think. So well, Jerry, right. Jerry T top aided with uh, with blue white with slight changes uh, in Charleston. <laughs> he he took basically the blue white flash deck and gave it something of an end game in Angel of Serenity. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know or don't watch it, there's you know the uh, the Cedric Phillips Glenn Jones. Video podcast, yeah, I guess you call it, State. Game State, uh, that they they uh, broadcast live every week. I guess what is it every Tuesday on uh, on Twitch, like Tuesday yeah. evenings. But yeah, they were talking about it. Cedric was was talking about it, and you know, saying the blue white flash deck originally, as Adam Prozac uh, had built it, kind of extended the game and it it drew it out, but it was never really leading to anything. And uh, Jerry takes that and says, "All right, I'm going to play." Angel of Serenity in here. I have an end game, a reason to draw the game out. You know, not not to say that the blue white flash deck that Prosec wasn't winning because it certainly was. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. fine with the cards it had, but giving it just something of a top end, I think was uh, was definitely a boon to the to the deck, especially with people playing more and more caverns. And you have you have Angel of Serenity going. Okay, if the, if the creatures are going to stick, I want something more to answer the creatures that are going to stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he his list actually has some pretty neat choices that you don't see a lot of. Uh, of course, in the sideboard, he had Righteous Blow, which is oh, geez. fairly interesting. <laughs> um, and, and it's kind of funny if, if you are on Twitter and you follow Chapin and some of these guys talking about Standard, really the overall vibe on the format is that you know people have come to grips with the idea of having Thrag Tusk in the format, and they're just building different decks that just say, oh, "Fine, if you get the five man and you play Thrag Tusk, no problem. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bash you with my double Fireheart Wolf. Yeah, yeah or I'm gonna Fireheart Wolf you to death. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that it's been so, that that's been solved 
But uh, he did make a mention that he he is a little worried about Sphinx's revelation in that uh, I'd have to find the right quote so that I don't misquote him. But uh, I got the I got the feeling that he is more worried about a card like Sphinx's revelation than a card like Thrag Tusk. And I could, I could kind of get behind that, especially because, I mean, if you look right now, it's November. We don't have a rotation until this summer or your next fall, really until, you know, until the next set rotates. So Thrag Tusk is going to be in for a while, but that's really one that we can really hedge against. I think, you you know, as decks get more aggressive, you play more evasive guys, you play ways to deal with Thrag Tusk, but, but Sphinx's revelation is a lot harder to really play around and uh, and it's it's in the kinds of decks that you don't necessarily want to float to the top. Like I, I personally am so sick of seeing blue white tempo, blue white aggro, whatever as an archetype. You know, we've we've had it since what World Wake. We've had yeah, a, a tier one deck that's pretty much dominated standard. Well, and, technically um, not World Wake because World Wake was was blue white control like. Jace and uh, Everborn Right, it wasn't Chalice. a tempo deck. Yeah, it was a tempo sure. deck when Call Go and the, then the Call Ka- Blade yeah. came out a year later. So it was right actually after Mirrodin Besieged was when, Fair enough. when that started taking off. But still, t- uh, it's it's long enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it, I found the, the Chapin tweet that you were talking about. Uh, he said Thrag Tusk promotes some healthy things like mid range, everybody having guys, and more in game play. Revelations mm-hmm. promotes unhealthy things. Yes. Uh, he said. I, I feel I like there was another tweet, but I can't find it. Um, I think that the Thrag Tusk is. It does all of the fair things very, very well. So it's a fair magic card, right? As we use the word fair in our magic parlance, mm-hmm. right? It gains life. Okay, it is a f- creature. Okay, it has power equal to its casting cost. Sure, it has a nice leaves the ba- like it has value if it dies or leaves the battlefield. Also fair, but mm-hmm. when you put them all together, it creates this monster that I think is a fine card. Um, the problem, of course, being that when you print triple faceless butcher and blue sun zenith that gains you life. You, <laughs> you you get these unhealthy decks that are just like, all right, it's turn 12. P- players are still playing lands and are still above 20. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of a standard format where that's been true. Right. No, no, that, certainly not. Maybe since GTA, where <laughs> people were just gaining, gaining life off of GTA. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, but Maybe both players higher. weren't gaining life. No, even original Ravnica with Locks It on Hierarchy. That was about it. Just Locks It Man, on. I forget what I was listening to the other day. Maybe it might have even been Cedric's uh, Cedric Phillips on coverage that you know when we got Locks It on Hierarch in Ravnica, we were ecstatic. Like we crammed that thing into every deck. Now we have that guy at freaking three mana and common. And common. <laughs> common. Like we've got we've got it made as far as that I'm is concerned. Nutty. Life gain has never been better. No, certainly not. Um, did, have, did you guys take a look at Reed Duke's list from Charleston? I did not. It is so wacky. Um, he did not... I, I didn't see his name pop up as much. Of course, he did make the top eight. He has... This is actually... I think it's almost identical to Cunio's list. Uh, okay. Go ahead. You go ahead and describe it. Well, it, it's four colors, and the, the, the only creatures and Planeswalkers it has is one Tamiya, one Restoration Angel, four Thrag Tusk. 
Then it's got like you know card draw spells and stuff, but it plays out very similar to, to like a toolbox deck, which I don't know how it's tutoring anything up, but it has a single pithy needle, a single ground seal, a single detention, <coughs> and elixir of immortality. Which that's actually not the first time that I've seen that card pop up. I've actually played against a couple pros in the two man queues that were playing it, and I'm like, whoa, they must be onto something that I'm not. That is a wild deck. It it well, and it's just like, well, I'm just gonna Sphinx's Revelation until you think I'm in a deck. He's also going to amass components, just so everybody knows. Two yeah. amass components. So, the, you know, I guess it, the idea is that it just wants to draw, you know, draw its deck and, and cycle through stuff and counterspell stuff and then recycle it again. And it just seems like the Planeswalker number is a little bit low, but it, it was apparently very effective for him, you know, netting him a, an X and three record for, uh, for the tournament, which is, I mean, this, this deck looks really cool. Let's talk about... Uh, fencing ace for a second. How about that? Wait, wait a second. <laughs> I want to finish. I want to say something about this deck. All right, fine. Uh, real quick. So it's actually not Cuneo's, Cuneo's list. Uh, Cuneo's <laughs> played Augur of Bolas. Uh, and cause I, I got this information more from Chapin's article because Chapin also played a Bant list in the, uh, in the Grand Prix. And, uh, he was talking about Cuneo's list originally had to amass the components in it, but Chapin cut them for Jace's. Um, so you can see here, Reed goes with amass the components over the Jace. That's what made me think it was Cuneo's list. But it's right. such a it, there's so many options here with these Bant lists. But the Nefalia Drownyard and Overgrown Tomb to yeah. just to just win the the control matchup. It's basically, I mean, you say it's four colors, but it's more Bant with Drownyard. Yeah, right? I mean that's uh, yeah. You know, it's kind of funny it, it, when you look at. Um, Amass the components versus Jace. It doesn't even seem like a contest to me, honestly. I, so I don't, I don't understand why Amass the components gets the edge. Uh, I mean, only, totally with, only in an Augur deck. I mean, I'm agreeing with you. In this deck, he doesn't play Augur of Bolas, so I don't see the advantage to running Amass the components over Jace. If Especially you're playing when you're running Augur, Farseek. like if you're running Farseek, that's, I mean, that's your that's, turn three play. That's what yeah. you want to do pretty much every game, and he doesn't have a lot of lands that. That aren't going to come into play untapped. He only has a couple awkward ones: the, the drown yards and the, and the cavernous souls. Otherwise, he should be able to pretty reliably get double blue. So I, I, that that to me seems like maybe a small area. I'll tell you one card that I saw uh, is Mana Bloom show up in a deck. Yeah, deck. where was Similar. that? Uh, it was in a two man. He was actually against Tom Martell. I saw it on months. camera. I'm looking for it now. There was it might have made top eight. It was definitely on camera. During coverage, and I was like, in Seattle or Charleston? Oh, Charleston. Okay, I don't see it now. when I control F the uh, the top sixteen list. So it's all not, right, well, I, I definitely saw it on camera. <laughs> like the, so. the the idea behind it is actually pretty pretty good. You know that if you play it on turn two, it's you know it's about as good as a far seek. You know because you really just need to hit your 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 Jace or your Tamiya or whatever, or be able to play a turn three supreme verdict. And then it's actually pretty nice, especially in decks that don't like run as much counter magic, that you can just sort of play it out there in turn three or turn four if you don't want to play the Planeswalker play and set yourself up for like a, you know, play a Planeswalker back it up with a counter spell. So I, I actually really like that as a as a strategy. I definitely think Farseek is my favorite card in the format. Not even close. Like it's yeah, it's really good. It, it, it gets you ahead of where you no, no, definitely not. No, it's, I mean, even if you look at like decks like Brad, the only way you're going to beat Brad's deck is a card like Farsi. You're just you're gonna you're gonna be dead well before yeah. 
you can you can get around to doing anything reasonable. Um, you know, the only the only you're only out of Supreme Verdict, really. Yeah, or and, rolling um, Tembler, right? Yeah, I mean, what do you? Or rolling Tembler, <laughs> yeah, Tembler. Sure. Um, or, or like I want to talk about fencing ace. Yeah, let Ruben talk about fencing ace since he's okay, been waiting. <laughs> Please let me talk about fencing ace. So Peter right. Kelly made top eight. He had three fencing ace in his deck in the top eight of a constructed tournament. <laughs> So, so that's there's it. that. That's all you that's just it. Jarvis U. Three copies of him in the top eight. Three Jarvises. <laughs> uh, and then four Judges Familiar also, which combo quite well with four Thalias. Dude, this green-white aggro deck is pretty awesome. No, Judges Familiar has been getting me. I'm just going to tell you that. That card is... is the Dirt Owl. It's doing work, man. The Dirt Owl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so I have to say something that happened at um, GP Best Buy... Uh, this past weekend. What's it, GP Best Buy? <laughs> the uh, it the, the it's been well, well it, it's I shouldn't say well known, but uh, it's been often referred to. GP Balkan has been referred to as GP Best Buy because of their I don't know if it's gambling laws or or prize distribution laws. They're not allowed to give out cash, so instead they get vouchers for you know iPads and computers and gift certificates and things to, uh, you know, random electronics outlets and things. So they, they, they give out enough prizes to, to make it Grand Prix, but they just don't get cash. But uh, anyway, um, Camille Napierski's list ran four Mark of Mutiny, four Bloodthrone Vampire. Yeah. Hmm. So the, what have uh, you called that one? I, I, I may or may not have, have said that that could be an interesting strategy to combat Thragtusks last week. So, Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your... Called shot of the occasionally of the week. <laughs> the occasional think, week. Uh, the occasional uh, shot. The gathering um, came up with a term for this. I don't know it off the top of my head. But oh, that's right. It was um, yeah. It's, it's when when, it's, when some noob comes up with like a card that they think will be good, and then some pro breaks it a week later, and then they think that they were the the impetus <laughs> for it. It was yeah. like what was it? Um, Oh man, it was so good too. He's gonna yeah. tweet it at us. He's gonna yeah, tweet it at us tomorrow or whatever. It, it's it's kind of funny though because like to me, I you know if you look at any given spoiler, 180 cards or 250 cards or whatever, there's gonna be these random cards like Mana Bloom that sure they're gonna probably get played at some point. They might not be a four of or, or blazing through the scene, but if you if you throw enough darts, like you're gonna hit something, I think, and so. There's a lot of people out there that I think just say, well, you know, I just, yeah, that card, that card could be really good. Oh, that card could be really good. And, you know, as opposed to trying to like attack environments or attack metagames. Um, so I, I'm definitely not one of those people that tries to, <laughs> tries to take credit. I just thought it was kind of an interesting interaction. You know, some guy like 3000 miles across the world, I'm sure isn't listening to, uh, to in contention and taking his tech and, and brewing that like within two days and playing it. So of course someone else is onto it. <laughs> sure. I don't know. I think, you know, we have some pretty wide reach. I think there's, there's people listening and <laughs> it's possible we had some impact, but I highly doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, it is kind of cool though. When you, uh, when there's like some random card, like an eye of the storm or, Oh man, I got to tell you guys this. Cause the, this was oh, like, I found the word. I found it. Amaturbation. <laughs> nice nice um so i i i i've been playing a ton of standard of course like i said and i i've been trying to brew up uh some stuff one of which is a heartless summoning deck featuring like angel serenity and cavern and stuff that's been actually pretty 
pretty good. Um, but anyway, uh, I ran across a really interesting deck <laughs> the other day, and it was both simultaneously f- infuriating to lose against, but also very funny. Um, I was hanging out with my friend Riley, and, and we were playing some games, and we joined a, an eight-man or something, and it looked like just a blue-red Delver deck. So he played Delver and Augur of Bullis, and he's just like playing this unassuming game of magic. And I have like caverns and, and random stuff, so I'm just thinking I'm, there's no way I'm going to lose this. So at some point, I, on my turn, I tap out to play a Thrag Tusk, and I have a couple of Thrag Tusks on the board. And he, end of turn, taps a Desolate Lighthouse, you know, d- d- draws this card and discards a Worldfire. Of course, is my <laughs> oh, second Worldfire story. <laughs> Then on his turn, he plays Spell Twine. Okay, so just taps six wow. mana. Wow! Oh Spell Twines takes my Farseek and then plays plays Worldfire. You know, so he stacks it, uh, Worldfire, Farseek. And then, so the Farseek resolves after the Worldfire, so he starts with a land in play. Oh, and then it's pillar to me. And he gets me both games. Like, And it wasn't, <laughs> even, it wasn't even close. Like, I died without... You know, like I didn't even. It was. It was like I didn't even put up a fight. I just rolled over and let this guy just. Some spell. men just want to watch the world burn. I guess. So is that Dude. is that world twine or spellfire combo? What, what <laughs> spellfire? Well, I, I don't know, but it, I honestly, we kind of like were laughing to each other. Or I was frustrated, fire. frustrated that I that I died to this stupid nine mana spell. But man, too bad Besiege isn't legal because that actually yeah. would just be unbeatable. That, yeah, that's just something you don't expect. I think I'd be cracking up. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. It's like, damn it, you know. <laughs> I start laughing. I'm like, I just got world fired again. Because, <laughs> of course, if you don't remember, I got world fired uh, when Scars was still legal. <laughs> off of a cough or something. I just I just can't beat that card in any context. <laughs> so, well, I, I, not a lot of people can. I mean, you resolve world fire. I think you are doing it with some sort of plan in mind other than like, oh, why not? whatever, you know. Hey, you know what else is a real tough card to beat? What's that? Door to nothingness. <laughs> top 16 at Charleston. Ali Antrazi, rare sorcery enthusiast, had uh, Rakdos Return and Sphinx's Revelation in the same deck together. Uh, was playing Chromatic Lantern Control. Shout out to Jack Granin. Um... <laughs> He had one Garrick Primal Hunter, one Nicol Bolas Planeswalker, one Tamio, and one Vraska. Wow. He also had a Gristlebrand in his deck. And the obligatory the- fourth ragtop. <laughs> yeah, of course. This is the best deck ever. Now, hey, you know something I just noticed? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, Alien Trazi had a good finish. But, man, did you guys see the top 16? Like... <laughs> Yeah, so it's pretty stacked. good. I mean, it, the top thirty-two was just like the most star-studded thing we've seen since you know the last Pro Tour. It was just ridiculous. I couldn't believe there was only just a, a handful of amateurs, and then everybody else was just ringer, 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 ringer. Yep. So you know, skill game, etc. But um, there were a lot of sixty-one card decks in the top sixteen. Well, I'd say a lot. I think there were like three or four really? uh, in the top sixteen of um, Bakum. Huh. And uh, it, it's kind of an interesting thing. I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough because you know I'm, you know if I if I play an event, especially a, p- a paper event, there's you know very very few times when I'm going to know my opponent's playing 61 cards. But on on Magic Online, especially, it's like 
you know, you don't want to do it because it's, it, there's such a negative stigma behind playing additional cards or like playing like the 41 card or 42 card limited deck, unless you're doing a Becker. So I think that's kind of interesting. I, I'd be, uh, I'd like to see more, more strategy on that because I feel like in some formats, especially like legacy where you're playing like a toolbox deck. I remember a lot of survival decks, I would play 61 cards, you know, I'd have a 60 card deck and, and say, well, I, I need to get an Aethersworn Canonist in here. I need to get, well, not probably not that guy, but I need to get something in this deck. And it's not right to cut another toolbox card, and it's not right to cut down on, a, on one of my four ofs. So I'll just play the 61st card. So Yeah, when you have a lot of library manipulation, I think it's, uh, it, you know, in the form of a survival deck. I mean, that's all built around library manipulation. But um, I think I think it's okay. It's a lot more okay or acceptable to play a 61st card. Um but I just wanted to quickly say something about uh, about door to nothingness, and not and less about door to nothingness, but more maybe about something that I notice a lot. Uh, last week when I was coming back from from Dallas, uh, I think I, I just saw a lot of people kind of commenting and sort of making fun of Mike Flores's article because he had a door to nothingness deck in there. And people are like, really? You know, this is this is SCG Premium Door to Nothingness deck. And then you see Ali top sixteen with a Door to Nothingness deck. And uh, I, I just kind of want to point out the fact that you know, uh, th- just the difference between the reception there, where you have Mike. Yeah. It, it just baffles me because Mike Flores is one of the guys who has been around this game for a long time. He may not get an opportunity to play as often as. A lot of players, you know, a lot of these young players now. Yeah, he has a life to lead. Exactly, and uh, but he he builds these decks, and he still is one of the think tanks of the game. And I just think it's ridiculous that people want to discount his opinions just because they don't see him putting up finishes or something. Like I, I don't know what the reason is, but they see a, a deck built around door to nothingness, and they're like they scoff at mm-hmm. it. But then here's Ali says, you know what? I can make it work. Uh, I, I don't know that Ali was looking at Flores's article or because knowing Ali, he probably just built it because right. it was well, door to nothingness. A, a <laughs> several, yeah. for several several weeks ago, I was like, you know, a good way to to combat all this life game that everyone's going to end the game at forty five life. It's going to be turn seventy four. You know what I mean? Yeah, a good way to do that is just make your opponent lose the game, right? <laughs> and that's kind of that was the point of Mike's article. Like he had he had built Kick a battle out the of wits deck. Yeah, like Mike Mike's been building decks like this for weeks now. He he built Battle of Wits. He's been playing that, and then he thought, you know, here's another just you win the game card. So. I, I have just a small comment on it. I think Mike's um, got a couple things going against him in this scenario. I think like for one, he's a very polarizing author. Sure, and so. You know, you either love Mike or you hate him. And, um, you know, I, I think that he it was just kind of awkward timing because he had come out with two articles in a row prior to the Door to Nothingness deck that were very quirky decks. The week before, he had done a Battle of Wits list. And then the week before that, it was an epic experiment deck. And, you know, Mike is, is has always been sort of on the forefront of creating, like, some, some zany deck ideas and stuff. But I think, like, in this case, you know, anybody giving Mike Flack probably, you know, is just basing it off of, like, just seeing... You know, like, I, I don't know. It just depends on, like, what your sensibilities are. Like, what what would you want to read? Like, what kinds of stuff are you into? Like, for me, I would I would read, you know, 10 Mike Flores, you know, cr- crazy zany articles before I'd read one, um, you know, Blue White Delver article, just because 
I just don't, I don't gain a lot of information out of those, but I gain a lot more out of like interactions and things and not, you know, I'll learn through playing, but I, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, it's more of a personality thing. I think a lot of people have an issue with not necessarily the content. And, um, like I, I personally, you know, I think his stuff's fine. I, you know, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's all interesting. I built his, his Epic experiment deck. It sucked, but you know, it was at least, <laughs> it was at least, a, it was at least a try. It was at least, you know, something different. Yeah. Um, his door to nothingness deck actually looked really good to me. And, um, the only reason I didn't try it is because there were just all these amazing decks that I wanted to play instead. So, well, uh, speaking of Epic Experiment, that deck becomes a lot better when you get Breeding Pool and Stomping Ground, which are going to be in Gate Crash. That's are you true. sure about that? Uh, well, I, they have, I think they've been confirmed. <laughs> I think so. Almost <laughs> positive they've been confirmed. Unless they but we also have a couple other space. spoilers. We have Craigslist Gate. Um, <laughs> Craigs- which is Craigslist the, Gate Crash. Apparently. Craigslist Gate Crash, nice. I That's think this nice. might be the weirdest way we've ever had cards spoiled. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't think that's. I, I don't that's get it. Right. I don't get how this happened exactly. But basically, someone posted this stuff on Craigslist, and we have some cards. So what we're going to do is, listeners, go to uh, the, the only place that I know of that has them right now is MTG Salvation. So go to Salvation. Well, Craigslist still has them too. Sure. If you want to go to Craigslist and look them up, go there too. Go to go to either of those websites. Click on the Gate Crash spoiler thing. I'll wait a second because I don't want to read. All of the text because they're all, all five cards are just walls of text. You're probably going to anyway. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I do want to point out it's that, a valiant effort. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the the Craigslist ad and I I just want to point out that the listing is Magic the Gathering 2013 foil rares and they spelled magic wrong, but that's not oh good. Relevant. But it's a uh, Magic the Gathering 2013 foil rares. So this person is either putting up a front like they don't know what these are and and they're doing it re- very well or they really don't know. Right. What they have. So if Sam were here, he would probably tell the story of the stolen crystalline slivers. And uh, (laughs) no, I think that there was some promo run that somehow was stolen from Wizards and then put Mm -hmm. on eBay. And they were like judge foils, but people didn't want to touch them. And so the the value went way down or way up. I, I don't remember exactly, but this looks like somebody found the mythic print run and took yeah. cards. From I mean, that's because yep. what we have is five. That's what it looks like. Five, mythic. five foil from mythics. Foil, foil mythics. mythics. Yeah. So, so let's, let's start at the beginning. That's a very good place to start. Sure. We have enter the infinite, which costs 12 mana and is a sorcery. Now you got to do it anyway. Cause um, I see when I listen to podcasts, I drive. So right. right. You got to read them. You got to read them. All right, fine. It's, tw- it's eight blue, 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 blue. Draw cards equal to the number of cards in your library. Then put a card from your hand on top of your library. You have no maximum hand size until next turn. <sighs> All right. So what, are, what can you possibly do with this card that won't make you an idiot? Nothing you can't already do with Trade Secrets or some other dumb card. This guy, I, I, people are or thinking this card's awesome. Yeah, or, or no, just any other card that draws you... A bunch of cards. Yeah. I just don't think this card's that good in in pretty much any context, including whatever dumb combo you can do with this in EDH. Somebody's going to spell twine it against you, Cranny. And- That's oh, true. God. The, no. value, uh, the value of this card, though, is in the insane Therese Nielsen art, though. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And the artwork. <laughs> and works. also the flavor text. Awesome. Don't yeah. just have an idea. Have all of them. That is a Reuben. <laughs> that is a Reuben flavor that text. That is a very Reuben flavor text. And that is Nism, is it? I mean, there's probably stuff that you can do with this with Omniscience, given that Omniscience is already kind of seeing some yeah. fringe let's, play. Let's put, let's put a 10-mana blue enchantment and a 12-mana blue sorcery in the same deck. Let's do that. Well, like, what what can you do with this that you can't already do with Gristlebrand, which you can just hard cast anyway? I, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't get it. All right, it's moving definitely, on. It's one of those cards you need to... I, I can't think of it right now, but I... Imagine it, we are going to see it at some point. Somebody's. Gonna I have I have go. three letters for you for this card. The first one is E. The second one is D. <laughs> last one's H. Okay. That's where that card lives for the yeah. rest of its life. All right. Next card: Hellkite Tyrant. Four colorless red red six five flying trample. I am already playing this card. Right. <laughs> When Hellkite yeah. Tyrant deals combat damage to a player, gain control of all artifacts that player controls. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control 20 or more artifacts, you win the game. This is so, oh, dear. Wow, so these are some some more EDH cards. Yeah, but it's also a 6-5 Flying Trampler for 6. It needs That's haste. Not, not impressed. No, it needs, needs haste. <laughs> It has trample, man. You taste, and it would almost be good enough to be played. It's, I think. I think that this is a playable card. Um, it, there aren't a ton of artifacts seeing play right now, but you can certainly do some damage against the chromatic lantern door to nothingness decks. You can also. I mean, obviously, EDH is insane with this card because you get to play things like Mycosynth Lattice. Mycosynth Lattice. Well, yeah. why don't you just play Thundermaw Hellkite though? Doesn't that just do more than this card? Yeah, probably. It's 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 like this card should cost five and should be a four four. At six okay. mana, I think that this is something that I ran into when I was playing Ravnica Limited. So I never wanted to play any of the six drops in red. I never never did because you just like red just doesn't get to that. And when you do, you want something like an Inferno Titan. You want something I that think, I think has, that that card has potential. I understand that it's not fantastic, but I think that it has potential to be a sideboard card should a uh, should a control deck pop up that has a tough time dealing with five toughness guys. You know what I mean? That's they, true. Like, you can cavern this guy out. I mean, he, he can just hit the board. Yeah. You know. All right. I, I it's funny because it's like Covetous Dragon just planes walked to Ravnica. Yeah. But this guy's even more covetous. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's actually, yeah, actually more covetous. All right. You want me to keep reading or do you guys go, want to do one? No, go yeah, for keep it, Ruben. All right. next Aurelia the War Leader is a 3-4 for two colorless, two red, and two white. Now, you said you don't like six-mana dragons, but hear me out on this one. <laughs> you get a 3-4 Flying Vigilance Haste. I like it already. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what we've done is we already are Lightning Angel. And whenever Aurelia the War Leader attacks for the first time each turn, untap all creatures you control. After this phase, there's an additional combat phase, which is absurd. So this creature by itself comes down and deals six and is also on defense. This card's by really itself. good. Yeah, by itself, it's, it's six. Let's assume you have a guy in play, right? Like a 2-2. Two, two. You're now dealing just a whole ton of damage. Forget the part where Gisela, Blade of Gold Knight, is also a red-white legend. That's getting played. That's getting played, yeah. Another red-white angel, right? How much damage is that? That's 8, 16? That's eh, like 100 damage, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fairly undefeatable damage. 
So this is a very good card. Yeah, it reminds me of, of an, again, it's another uh, cousin to another card that we've seen. It's six mana angel that seems small for its mana cost, but uh, fire main angel in, printed in the yeah. original Ravnica block. Yep. It was 4-3 uh, flying first strike. This one into three, four flying vigilant haste, you know, and uh, it costs mm-hmm. one more red instead of a colorless. But doesn't get you as much value. At- so this guy, sure. this guy Godos, but also Godos himself, which is kind yes. of yeah. I mean, this this if, along with equipment is kind of ridiculous. That uh, I, I mean, this card I could definitely see play in constructed for sure. Like especially we're about to get the Boros land and the Gruul land. Naya is going to be very real, and if we don't have a Naya, you know, aggro deck, of course, we're going to talk about a, a deck that was going to, you know, put red green on the map, the the new Planeswalker. But uh, this we'll guy get to is that eventually. Yeah, this this guy is like really good. I I I could see this being played. I mean, can you imagine having a playing of turn five Thragtusk and your opponent does something stupid and you just played this guy at turn six? Oh, Even if they have their own Thragtusk, you get it's to attack 16. trade. Right, so they take three, and then you get to attack again with your guy and your threat test token, right? Or no, no, it won't no, have it doesn't pace. have haste, right? It won't have haste. But it, it, regardless, I mean, if you if you have any board presence whatsoever, and this guy hits the board, and your opponent doesn't have an, an out, like this could just basically say give your creatures double strike, or you know, right? Um, yeah, if, it's if, very good. if we weren't seeing enough caverns naming Angel before, uh, sure, <laughs> this this will be another another reason to name. I Angel like that caverns. Wizards is pushing angels and dragons. Me yes. too. I love it. Awesome. Yes, yes. All right, next up, we've got a Cyclops. Ooh. <laughs> Legendary creature Cyclops. Borborgamos, enraged. All right, here's what he does. Four colorless, red, red, green, green, seven, six, trample. So we have an eight mana, seven, six, trample. That's borderline already. Mm-hmm. When Borborgamos Enraged deals combat damage to a player, reveal the top three cards of your library, put all land cards revealed in this way in your hand, and the rest in your graveyard. Okay. And that goes along with the last ability. If you discard <laughs> a land card, Borborgamos Enraged deals three damage to target creature or player. Just a super seismic assault. Yeah, we've got super seismic. Yeah. attached to a Borborgamos that can feed itself. If there were um, ever a card that would make me want to play EDH, this would be it. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. I just want to build Wildfire. I just look at this guy. I want to play Exploration and yeah. Life from the Loam and all those stupid... Exploration. <laughs> just, just like 50 land EDH, like burgeoning and Exploration. So let me ask a question. Is this guy just... Not the best thing that you could be unbarrel rightsing into play. Probably, I mean, especially what, in the current them. environment where everyone is just like, "All right, we're all at fifty, and we've all got twelve lands in play." And you're like, "All right, unburial rights, my uh, angel, I guess." And how like, many games, right. Ruby? How many games have you played? We're just like, you know, second turn mulch, put a bunch of lands in my hand. Third turn. Yeah, exactly. Mulch, put a bunch of lands in my hand. You know, sculpt my hand, and then unburial rights on turn four or five, like. If you could realistically just have four or five lands in your hand by the time you unbarrel rights this guy. Absolutely, yeah. That represents a ton of damage. Not to mention that, you know, not you, to mention it, it deals with creatures also. Yeah, I mean, this, it also this has guy, six toughness, which is good against Angel and Thrag Tusk. Yeah, and what are you guys going to do without unburial rights? And not just you two, but I mean, you know, you all of you guys. Grave, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess rise from the grave, right? 
Well, what do you guys think? Like when Cavern goes away, like to me, that's the more that's the more pressing question because Cavern feels like a staple right now. I feel like every deck just needs to have access to it, or else Blue White would just completely take over. Are we playing Cavern naming Cyclops? Oh, for sure. Why would? <laughs> Why the hell right. wouldn't we? <laughs> we got we got one last one. We had the Gruel Guild Leader, or yeah, right? Guild I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's yes. the Guild Leader. And now we've got a Gruel Planeswalker. So here is Domri Raid. Rade? Domri Rade. Domri Rade. Domri something. <laughs> Someone tell me how to pronounce that, please. Colorless red green. Three mana Planeswalker. All right? All of the three mana Planeswalkers have been good so far. Not uh, Johnny has sort of popped up occasionally, but certainly Jace Bellerin and Liliana right. of the fail. So Domri comes in with three loyalty and has a plus one ability. So the, the turn it comes into play, it goes up to four, which is average, which is, you know, typical. Um, look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you may reveal it and put it in your hand. So we've got like a gift of the Gargantuan happening as it's plus one. Yeah. Minus two. Target creature you control fights another target creature. So it's an instigator. It is. That's a good one. Minus seven, you get an emblem with creatures you control have double strike, trample, hexproof, and haste. (laughs) (laughs) So all your creatures become superheroes, which is good. I mean, it's a minus seven. It's going to take you a little while to get there. Um, This is not the most aggressive red-green thing I've ever seen. I imagine in Gruul, you're going to be wanting to be doing things other than drawing a card with your third turn. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. What do but you think? Can- I can cer- I can certainly see a Naya deck that's like turn one elf, turn two smiter, turn three this, fight your thing. Yeah. It feels much like I feel like this affects the board a lot more than the other uh three mana planeswalker we have right now, which is a Johnny, <laughs> yeah. which is getting played right now in humans. Like people are playing that. I feel like this is, this is the anti Liliana, by the way, because Liliana makes everybody discard and this guy draws a card. Then the mm-hmm. minus two is everybody sacks a creature, and then this can basically do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you say turn two this. I mean, I feel like there's probably not a better turn two play for a red-green deck than to just be able to give yourself gas the rest of the game and stop your opponent from playing whatever nonsense they put on the board. But uh, sure. I, I don't know. Play, I'd rather play this after I've already got a giant animal. Well, does does the does the plus one like how how often is this going to hit? I mean, are we going to have to play like ancient ziggurat type decks to really get the value out of this? Or I mean, yes. we're already seeing ancient ziggurat type decks in the green white and the blue white aggro varieties. Like the blue mm-hmm. white humans deck that one that got second in Seattle was all creatures and one feeling of dread. Mm-hmm. So you know we're already there. Creatures are so good now anyway that it's not that bad. The mono red deck, for example, could easily splash this. Because it only has two Pillar of Flame, four Searing Spear, and the rest were creatures. Right? Mm. So we can play... I don't know. How many creatures do you think you have to play to play this card? 27? Yeah. that's Maybe more? I don't know. Yeah. You could probably get away with playing less if you're really going to take advantage of the fight ability or... Right. You know. It kind of depends on which ability you're going you're gonna to really lean on because he's a removal spell, but you need a guy. So you definitely need to be packing your deck with with guys for this to really be effective. So it's a very I think it's a it's a mid range planeswalker. It's yeah. not an aggro planeswalker. Yeah, it's it's a niche kind of 
kind of guy. Like if you're gonna if you want to play Gruel, and then you probably want to play a ton of creatures anyway. So he, it, you know, fits right into the idea. But it's very unassuming, don't you think? Yes, I, I think just as a as a card, it reminds me almost of like Vraska. Well, maybe a little less. It impacts the board much less than Vraska, but it's very unassuming like Vraska. In the situations that I've seen Vraska go ultimate, I've, I've lost every time because I just yeah. d- I didn't I didn't respect the last ability. And uh, my opponents, my opponents beat me with it. But uh, I feel like the, the ultimate on this, you know, if you turn to this and you can ultimate it on turn six, is that right? Uh, you can ultimate on turn. Oh, if you turn to it, you're right. Ultimate on turn six. So by turn six, you know, depending on what kind of deck you're playing, that's uh, that's a good ultimate to have on turn six. Dies uh, to abrupt decay. It does. Okay, die. <laughs> <laughs> you got us. Yeah, I just don't. The only thing I don't like about this is, you know, if you're unless you're playing a deck that really takes advantage of being able to draw cards with it, it just does not affect the board like I want to. Like I would just rather play a burn spell. Like at three mana, there's just there's a ton of stuff you can be doing, but we have literally no context yeah. for what we're going to have in the next set, and uh, maybe this is you know much much better than I think it is. So uh, in the context of the, today's standard, I just don't think this has a place anywhere. So. Um, but cool card, very very cool. I think these yeah. these spoilers are to, to very see. cool. Yes, they're very very cool. The the it's very difficult to see what is going to you know shake out when all we know of the next set is five mythics. Mm-hmm. We we don't know what support structure the red green guys are going to have. Whether you're going to want to go big red green with Borborgamos or you want to go sort of mid-rangey with Domri. We have no idea what's going to happen with the the dragon guy. We, we just have no frame of reference of how many artifacts are going to be played. It's entirely possible that a lot of artifacts are going to happen out of either Demir or, I don't know. I guess That's Demir, a good point. It's, it's realistic to have a lot of artifacts, but... Yeah. Um, you know, there's going to probably be another reanimation spell out of Orzov that we just have to predict. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of support for the Lingering Souls Soren deck right. out of Orzov. Um, and so I imagine that there will also be a lot of... I'm sure they figured it out in the Future Future League. Man, Lingering Souls Soren plus Orzov. Eh, we should probably have some hedges just like they did in Return to Ravnica with like rest in peace and other graveyard hate kind of stuff. Yeah. We're like, oh man, zombies is going to be enormous. We better have all the hate, right? And so so they made cremate and they made rest in peace. And so I imagine we're going to see a lot of – I mean we might see a reprint of Zealous Persecution, for example. Interesting, or uh, or a better pyroclasm than Rolling Trembler because Rolling Trembler is the worst. <laughs> I never want to cast it's that card. It's bad. It is really bad, and it's that's bad. The best all we have. we have. Yeah, Rolling Trembler doesn't even kill flyers. Yeah, it's just the really bad pyroclasm. So but. you know, there's there's we we just have no frame of reference on how good these cards are going to be. The only thing that we do know is that the mana for uh, decks that exist. Will become better. Yeah, I, one thing I kind of wish we would have would have asked Sam, but I guess we can kind of imagine like how how crummy is it to be at Wizards when something like this comes out? You know, like uh, you know, look at think of it from Good Wizards' question. perspective when these uh, 
you know, these went up the other day. I think it was Saturday. They uh, they were spoiled, and it's just like, is it? You know, they're probably so excited to. Yeah. Like they're talking about who's gonna who's gonna preview Domri Rad or Raid it Rade, right. Rade, whatever. You know, who's gonna preview the Angel? And they still have to do these things. But now it's just like, yeah, who's gonna preview the Angel? Everybody knows about. It's just right. How much does it's that like just, ruining uh, a surprise birthday party practically and it's even know, worse they, they, it's five mythics it's not even yeah. just five cards yeah they could not by the way have picked a better card to accidentally have been in a pack than rootborn defenses yeah exactly <laughs> that was so good like, that was just the perfect card to accidentally get stuck in the hopper yeah, yeah that, it was i thought the way that they handled keyword, that it was awesome and the way they handled that was insane of course it was yeah. cool yeah so good so let's transition over to more Wizards news. Uh, we had two bits of news that happened very recently. One is the new FNM promo was announced, and the other one is that the uh, FNM format uh, that has been introduced is going to be modern. So Good. stores will be allowed to sanction. Um, they can sanction a number of things, but the main events that I feel like they're really pushing would be standard, limited, and modern. And uh, of course, you've you, in the past you've been able to sanction Twitter Giant and um, and uh, and extended, extended. And, yeah. So Ooh. it's kind of an interesting move, and I think um, you know we are going to cover more of this probably in a modern centric episode. Yeah. But uh, real quick, maybe we can each weigh in on this. I think um, in general, I think this is a, a move in the right direction. I'll say Aaron, Aaron Forsyth sort of confirmed what I was thinking um and that he says that it's probably not correct for stores to run modern but it's good that it's there so i i like that stance I agree. Um, and it'd be interesting to see where that goes what do you guys think i think once every two months have a modern fnm at your local store yeah. like not all the time um i mean i mean we all saw this coming this wasn't big news like they we knew that this was going to be an fnm format at some point if they wanted to grow the format mm-hmm. uh i think the bigger news is the FNM promo for December is Gitaxian Probe, which is a modern card. Yeah. It's not a standard card. So this might well, be a shift in what they're going to start doing with those, which I think is I, – I don't love it, but you know it's interesting. It's certainly yeah, a change in um, uh, theory behind what they want the FNM cards to be. Well, sure. on that top – well, first, I guess I'll, I'll address the modern FNM modern as an FNM format uh, question, but I, I think it's great. I think it's great that they're trying to support this format. And I think the fact that, uh, you know, whether or not you run it is really going to be dependent on your, your regulars because you're going to say, yeah. what do you guys want to run? It's the same group of people, give or take a few that show up. Um, do you guys, would you guys rather have modern? And if they would rather go with modern, the, you know, if they're like the PTQ grinder type and modern is the PTQ season, they're going to be like, I'm going to PTQ tomorrow. I'd like to test my deck. Uh, so right. I could totally see that happening. And it's just great that it's available. Um, as far as the FNM promos, I don't know what their theory was at one point because, you know, as, as Cranny mentioned to me before <laughs> before we started <laughs> recording, uh, you know, Big Head Joe and I talked a lot about this on YoMTG Taps at one point where, you know, the, the FNM promos didn't seem to make any sense. They were giving away, you know, Kasali Pride Mage when it was literally about to rotate the the week after rotate out of standard the week after it was uh a first available or something like that where mm-hmm. and it seemed like this is a standard typically standard is the the bread and butter of fnms it should be standard cards and they should be coming out when you can actually have an opportunity to put them in the decks uh they have improved i think since then that was t- almost two years ago i'm sure uh, if not more and um 
I think they've definitely improved as of late where they actually are putting a lot of staples and uh, and mostly standard cards in there, and I think that's great. And as far as Gitaxian Probe, it's a staple in modern. Uh, it was a standard staple, and like you suggested, uh, or like you said, Ruben, it's, modern's going to be a format in, for FNM. It's, it's kind of... I don't know how much I like that they're going in that direction, but it's uh, it's not it's not the worst. It's it's and it, again, it's a staple. I think as long as we're getting cards that at least see play in whatever format in, in like some of the the big format standard legacy modern, and mm-hmm. I guess EDH, even though that's you know not my thing, I, I, and I don't know that EDH players typically play as much F and M as more. Uh, constructed kind of yeah. well it's it's certainly take it's certainly worth taking into consideration because they typically are ones who enjoy foils sure sure so you know and this this move isn't necessarily unprecedented of course Joey you said it's a little more erratic um, you know we've seen some pretty interesting FNM foils like cloud post Crozen grip ice Conceptor, uh, you know just in the past five years and that's that you know long predates modern as a format at least in our eyes they may have known about it internally or known that that was something they were going to roll out so you know maybe some of these silly these silly cards like Casali Prime Mage or or whatever that come out and are like hey well why is this coming out you know no one's going to play this in extended whatever it may have a little more logic internally and for us it's like why are you giving us this yeah. but i think Jetaxian probe is one that it's definitely a head scratcher I, I personally dislike common FNM foils because they're just, I mean, a foil Jitaxian probe is like two or three bucks. It's not really a card that anybody's like super excited to, to win in an event as opposed to something like Path to Exile or Isochron Scepter or, you know, one of these uncommon cards that. Yeah, I tweeted you know, a list of commons that I thought from standard that I thought were reasonable, but certainly any number of uncommon is just better. Yeah. So you know, it, uh, you mentioned a bunch of Innistrad cards. I think in general, like it's very difficult for them because they have to send these probably to the uh, printers at the same time they do the regular sets. So you know, we may, you know, they may have like put over emphasis on a card like you know, let's say for example, Rolling Trembler is an FNM foil, and you know, in, in FFL, it's it's tearing up the scenes, and if they want to make it relevant and, and release it in a reasonable amount of time, they would have to release it you know, a few months after Dark Ascension comes out or something, for example. And then at that point, it's like an Athamancer. It's like, well, it just doesn't... Yeah. It's, it just doesn't get played. You know, it's not... You know, people aren't playing this card. So right. it, timing, I think, could be one. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think... That, and this is... You brought up something that I kind of mentioned on that episode of Taps, where it, there's either one of two things. Either they're printing them and trying to predict what's going to see play in which case we should be seeing these cards a lot earlier or they are waiting to see what sees play in which case they should be really good cards, you mm-hmm. know, really good choices because if we're going to get something at the end of its standard lifetime, uh, you don't want a, a card that's not even a staple. You should definitely have a staple. They should have had enough time to say, Hey, this card's seeing a ton of play centaur healer, you know, mm-hmm. there it goes. Yeah, so, for um, sure. So anyway, I know, I know that's uh it's. I think they've made an improvement in general, uh, and and I I look forward to yeah, seeing. Yeah, I agree. I look forward to seeing what the promo is every month. I think it, you know, it, it's always kind of. Exciting. I'll say one one quick thing. I would love to see just a little bit of variety in how the F and M promos are distributed, as opposed to just doing like the star the random Starburst foil. If you know, on, on occasion they would do like a beta frame card 
or, you know, like they're doing with the um, Noble Hierarch and stuff. They do an old frame foil. I think like something like that once a quarter, once a year or something, you know, make, make, make it fun, make it something that people really look forward to. But as far as like getting the yeah, same comments and love, stuff, it's just so many. I would love a foil stronghold mulch, for example. Oh, that would be cool. Jeez. <laughs> old frame. Yeah. Yeah, just something like that. Or, like, to me, I think that something is a totally untapped resource is if they beta-ized cards. So if that Jitaxian Probe was in a beta frame, oh my do gosh. you actually realize, like, how much people want that card? Yeah, if it looks insane. like a beta card? It would be insane because, it, you know, it would look just like an Ancestral Recall, like, you know, on the, yep. in the old frame, black-bordered and, you know, templated. The, the big typeface. Templated. Yeah, it would be awesome. It would be it would be completely badass. So hopefully that's like in their little arsenal, and they're going to do it someday because I feel like that's a huge area that they could really uh, tap into. But um, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, you know, we covered lots of stuff, and we're gonna we have a lot of stuff coming up here. Um, we hope that all of you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Of course, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Try not to eat too much. Try to be safe out there in the roads. And uh, enjoy your weekends uh, with your family and whatever it is that you guys are doing. So, guys, have anything else? Uh, new news and then go watch it. It's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Stay till after the credits. There's a little thing. There always is. Almost. It's me. There is often a little thing. <laughs> and so always stay until the end. Yep. That's All it right. for me. Well, until next week, we are in contention.